This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast. Welcome to Property Patter. My name is Emma Humphreys. Earlier this year, I was joined by two members of our insolvency team, Roger Elford and Dan Moore, to talk through landlords' frequently asked questions about tenant CVAs. We talked about how they work and what landlords should look out for, but I was particularly interested to hear about how CVAs were evolving and trends that we're seeing. We promised listeners that we would invite Dan and Roger back to tell us more about this once the courts had given judgment on some of the high-profile CVA challenges. So here they both are. Welcome. Um, Dan, perhaps you could recap on how we're seeing CVAs used by tenants in relation to commercial retail property portfolios. The landlord-tenant relationship has been under strain for a number of years, and the nature of CVA proposals has developed to address these tensions. So CVAs are now predominantly used to restructure distressed businesses with underperforming commercial retail property portfolios. As a result, CVAs are now increasingly detailed and technical, given the complexity of the businesses being restructured and the fact that CVAs are often combined with broader financial and management restructuring. We have seen the rise of the landlord-only CVA, which is a trend that has been accelerated by the pandemic. In such CVAs, a large proportion of landlords may form the only category of creditors that are compromised by the CVA with all other creditors being paid in full. It has undoubtedly been a difficult time for landlords facing these CVA proposals. In conjunction with the rise of the landlord-only CVA and the general shift to turnover rents, for example, um, we have seen um, a number of challenges made by landlords to a number of high-profile CVA proposals. These are starting to be heard in the courts, and we do have some first-instance decisions. Yes, that's right. I mean, as I mentioned at the start, we were awaiting the outcome of some important CVA challenges when we last spoke, um, and we now have the first instance decisions in relation to the CVAs for both New Look and Regis. I mean, if we start with this, the New Look case, what were the key points decided by the High Court there? I, I understand it's so far been a disappointing story for the applicant group of landlords, although obviously that will be subject to appeal. It is subject to appeal, but it was certainly not a success story for the applicant landlords. Um, in the New Look um, case, various landlords um, challenged the CVA. Um, the key challenges and findings uh, were as follows and are of wider application to CVAs in general. Uh, the landlords challenged the ability of tenants to treat landlords differently compared to other creditors. This goes really to the heart of the rise of the landlord-only CVA, where we're seeing land landlords and maybe subgroups of landlords being the only creditors um, that are impaired or compromised. In relation to this issue, the judge determined that CVA is entitled to treat varying subgroups of creditors differently. So it's a fundamental issue that the court addressed there. The judge also found that it is not inherently unfair to only compromise subgroups of creditors. However, when compromising subgroups, the judge stated that there should be a fair allocation of assets available within the CVA between compromised creditors and other groups. And that really goes to the, the core function of a CVA being a proposal that has to be fair between all creditors. So obviously you have to have a fair allocation of assets um, or at least reasons for distributing assets in certain ways. Um, the, the court said it's less likely to constitute unfair prejudice 
um, where CVA creditors are impaired, but in different ways. So, for example, the court was effectively blessing the idea of having different classes of landlord. Typically, we see them numbered or set as A to H, and you'll have your category A landlords, which may be completely unimpaired and paid in full, and then a scale that runs down B, C, D, etc., um, with varying degrees of compromise as you get towards the back of the pack. Um, so the court said, you know, you, you can do that. Um, also, uh, where the unimpaired creditors are a small, um, small in number and value, but nonetheless tip the balance in a vote, um, that won't necessarily be a sign of unfair prejudice. Um, and that's often the case where you may have commercial um, reasons for treating key trade creditors and making sure they're not compromised. Um, also, the court said that reductions in rent and modifications to leases and changing to turnover rent were not unfair. Um, uh, in, in this case, um, the landlords had a choice between terminating their leases and accepting a financial return better than would be experienced under the relevant comparator. So, for example, maybe a liquidation or an administration um, and continuing the lease but on reduced rent and modified terms. So basically, the court was saying on balance, um, let, allowing the CVA terms to run their course, the, the landlords were no worse off. Um, that decision is subject to appeal, as you said, so it's very much watch this space, but um, I, for one, am not anticipating um, a major upheaval or overturn. Um, I know obviously the landlords would like to see it, but I think we'll just have to watch this space. Yes, that's right. I mean, landlords won't be happy about that outcome. Just to be clear, um, what you said, Dan, was that CVAs can actually treat different subgroups of creditors differently and that's you know something which I, I suspect some landlords will will feel they're always in the group that get treated differently <laughs> um, and they won't be too happy about it absolutely I mean, that's right Roger let's talk about Regis sounds like the landlords didn't have a fun day uh, when it came to new look perhaps you talk us through the points from the high court decision in Regis I understand that the tenant CVA there was revoked by the court yeah Emma that's right in 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 Regis which um it should be remembered is a sort of an, an old CVA by these standards um the CVA was proposed in in early 2019 uh, it was the the CVA of the Regis Supercuts hairdressing salon brand, um, and it actually collapsed into administration in October 2019. At which point the CVA was effectively terminated. The landlords had challenged um, the CVA basically on many of the same terms as the New Look um, CVA had been subsequently challenged. But the landlords in um, in Regis were very keen to seek an order that the CVA be revoked, notwithstanding it had already been terminated, in order to enable the landlords to pursue, uh, and some would say make an example of, um, the insolvency practitioners who promoted the CVA in the first place. Um, if it was revoked, the court would then have discretion to uh, make adverse cost awards against the insolvency practitioners responsible and uh, allow them to make awards of costs against them uh, and, and repay, sorry, repay their, the fees that they'd received for the job. But in, in, in Regis, so which, which, which lay dormant during 2020, during the coronavirus pandemic, um, the Regis matter was heard um, by the same judge that heard New Look, uh, Mr. Justice Saccaroli. And uh, in relation to the bulk of the uh, challenges that the landlords had made, which, as I say, follow the same pattern uh, as the New Look challenge, the landlords failed almost in their entirety. Um, they were successful on one count uh, against um, uh, against Regis, and that was that in preparing the proposals, the 
nominee supervisors, the insolvency practitioner responsible for the for the CVA, uh, had included a connected creditor um, in the list of um, critical vendors, i.e. critical creditors had to carry on being paid in full in order for the company to succeed. And the court found in relation to that point only uh, that the nominee had um, breached their duties um, in a very limited way. So having found that um, there was um, a degree of unfair prejudice in the way that one creditor was treated, the court did revoke the CVA, but importantly, did not punish the nominee stroke supervisor um, in any way for that breach, did not require them to repay any of the fees that they had received for the job, uh, nor were they ordered to pay any of the costs of the challenge personally either. And this is important because this was one of the main thrusts of the landlord's arguments uh, that they had been running in, in various CVAs that as a means of dissuading um, would-be insolvency practitioners acting uh, in, as nominees of CVAs, a potential challenge and a, and a threat that they have to repay their own fees if they put forward proposals that were subsequently um, knocked over by the court, uh, was acting actually in the market to dissuade uh, CVAs from occurring. So Regis, in, in the main, um, largely followed the results in, in New Look, but importantly, it's another bit of another blow for the landlords in that notwithstanding the CVA was revoked, they didn't get the relief they were seeking uh, against the insolvency practitioners who put the scheme together in the first place. So a bit of a pyrrhic victory on that point then, really? Uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, the, as I say, the company had collapsed into administration in uh, in 2019. <laughs> it had ceased trading since then. No one had even acquired the business. And the only reason really the claim was kept going was in order for landlords to seek and obtain some form of relief uh, against the nominees uh, of the CBA proposal. Who would have no doubt heaved a sigh of relief at the result. So uh, we've also seen, it's all been going on, chaps, in your field. Um, we've also seen the restructuring plan proposed by Virgin Active upheld by the courts, um, where the interests of one class of landlords uh, were, perhaps you might say, effectively ignored. Um, now, that wasn't a CVA, it was this new mechanism brought in by the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Act last year. But um, I thought it would just be worth a brief outline um, before we finish up on how that mechanism, that restructuring mechanism, differs from a CVA and why the BPF, I thought, was very sort of, you know, the BPF doesn't always come out and say it like it is, but it has here described the proposals as setting a dangerous precedent. Um, so, Roger, what do you think about that? Yeah, Emma. So the restructuring plan was ushered in um, with great fanfare last year, as you say, under the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Act 2020, um, to sit alongside the existing scheme of arrangement mechanism that exists under the Companies Act. And um, unlike a CVA, which is um, a non-court-driven process, it just requires the, the company in, 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 in peril to put forward proposals to creditors who then vote on those proposals. A restructuring plan requires um, oversight and approval of the court. That's the first main distinction. The second point uh, is that unlike a CVA where it's possible to lump all the creditors together so that one group of you know, so that the one group of creditors can effectively override the wishes and desires of another group of creditors, 
in a restructuring plan scenario, creditors are divided into classes of other creditors. Um, and the classes are based on whether creditors in that class can reasonably consult with each other as to the outcome of uh, the, the, the scheme of arrangement so that they have you know, similar interests. But as you say, there is an argument or it's been said that the court um, in approving and sanctioning the uh, Virgin Active um, restructuring plan ignored or overlooked or well, we'll see. We'll come on to that as to what they did in relation to those those creditors. But in 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 the Virgin case, there were effectively uh, a restructuring plan that um, would result in um, six classes of landlord creditor being um, created, like very much like Dan said earlier on. Uh, and um, of those six classes of landlord, um, five of those classes of landlord voted against Virgin's restructuring plan, which would have seen them uh, receive less rent. Um, you know, rent arrears being compromised, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And in fact, it was only the secured creditors uh, and the and the one class of landlords who weren't going to be impaired by the restructuring plan who actually voted in favour of it. So this is a case where I think had it have been a CVA, the dissenting landlords, those who are going to be impaired, would have been able to vote it down. But in this case, in relation to a restructuring plan, uh, even though, um, as I say, six classes of creditor declined to vote to approve the restructuring plan, the court still has a discretion as to whether or not it should be approved anyway. And that's a very broad discretion. And in approving the plan, sanctioning the plan, notwithstanding six of the eight categories of creditor had voted against, um, the judge, uh, Mr. Justice Snowden, uh, basically looked at two tests. He looked at the, the cross-class cram-down provisions, a bit of a mouthful, but in reality, he looked at what the alternative would be to this restructuring plan, and he said, well, in, a, in, a, in an administration, only the secured creditors um, and possibly some of the unimpaired landlords would get anything out of this, and therefore the value breaks with them. So I can effectively ignore, as you say, the, the wishes and desires and interests of creditors who would not receive anything in the administration of this company, which is the likely outcome if the restructuring plan uh, wasn't approved. Secondly, the judge said, well, will these um, dissenting landlords be any worse off under this plan than under an administration? And he said, no. He said that, that they're going to get something in the, under the restructuring plan. They will get less in, a, in the alternative being in administration. And therefore, he was prepared and able under the provisions of the of the new act to override the um, dissenting class of the creditor in order to sanction the plan. And so it was approved, notwithstanding all of those dissenting uh, landlords having voted against. So more bad news for landlords. Yeah, that, that, that's right. I mean, as, as, as the BPF says, I think the BPF said it not only is unfair, but it, but it allows sort of you know, the PE houses that are buying up these retailers to you know to 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 benefit from the boom times and, and, and take the profits from these companies when times are good uh, but to dump liabilities to landlords when times are bad so it, the vpf are saying that the you know the owners of these businesses are having the best of both worlds and i suppose there may be um there may be some truth in that depending on what, what side of the fence you sit on um but i think in many respects this may be a hangover of sort of you know as you know historic long lease lengths you know, upward only rent reviews, um, 
where you have got turnover rents, you know, very significant minimum guarantees um, of rental value. And as we've seen over the last 12 months, yeah, there has been a shift to um, turnover rents, or pure turnover rents. Um, and I suspect we'll see a, you know, a further movement towards more flexibility that will give uh, you know, tenants less reason to have to do these CVAs whilst also trying to protect landlords' interests at the same time, um, which I think is going to be necessary in order, you know, I think both parties, landlords and tenants alike, are going to have to adapt to survive. Yes, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you know, things were already changing, particularly in the retail sector, obviously, but COVID has accelerated that change, hasn't it? And um, I, I'm sure we're only going to see, you know, more of it as, as you know, hopefully we go into a, a new world. And um, But, but it, it, it won't be the same as before. And there will be adjustments on both sides. As you say, it's, it's finding that balance, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much both for that very informative discussion. It's really helped to understand these um, complicated decisions. Uh, I doubt from the sounds of it that we've seen the last of CBA challenges and um, certainly probably not the last of the new restructuring arrangement also um, coming into play. Uh, for our listeners, there's a lot more information about all of this on our website. So please do take a look or contact any one of us for further information. In the meantime, uh, we hope you're enjoying the unlocking and please continue to stay safe. This is a Charles Russell Speechlease podcast.